I want you to turn me to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. This has been our overarching scripture throughout the entire duration of the series. And uh, I want you, we've been, we've been quoting it, we've been saying it out loud. So come on, whether you say it out loud for memory or you look to the screens, come on, I want you to say the scripture with me. Come on, join me, everybody. Ready? Fix your thoughts on what is right. Think about things that are. Well, how many believe his word is worthy of praise? Amen? Come on, then let's give him some praise in the house of God. So this message is going to end. It's going to kind of be a bookends a little bit here. But how many of you believe your mind is probably one of the most important things you can ever protect in your life? Your mind literally controls the destiny of your life. What you let in, what you, what, you, what you hear, what you read, what you see through your eye gate, your ear gate. We've been talking about that. And you got to really protect it. You know, that's what a lot of people, as they get older, they always say, I just want to have a good mind, a good mind. A good. How many pray that? I just want my mind to be clear. My mom was 93 years old, and I mean, her mind was as clear. She could remember every little detail of certain things up till she, before she passed away. I mean, she just remember those things, you know, and I, I thank God for it. I don't want to be like the three, you know, the three little elderly ladies, and they're all, two ladies were gone. I tell you, I'm just losing my mind. He said, well, what happened? She said, well, I went to the refrigerator the other day. She said, I went, I knew what I was going to get. I opened the refrigerator and went to go get what I was going to get. She said, I forgot what I was going to get. She goes, I closed the door. I forgot what I was supposed to get. She goes, well, you think that's bad? She said, girl, let me tell you what I did. She said, I went down the stairways, down to the basement to go get something. She said, when I got to the bottom of the steps, she said, I forgot what I was going there to get. She said, I went back to the top of the steps. I remembered what it was, went back down to the bottom of the steps, and I forgot again what it was. Third little old lady says, now, girls, she said, I'm going to tell you, y'all may be losing your mind, but she said, I want you to know, at 92 years of age, my mind is still as sharp as it was when I was a teenage girl. You can lose your mind, but my mind is sharp and as quick as it ever been. And for that, I knock on wood. She said, would somebody please get the door for me? How many want to keep your mind intact? Amen. I want, to, I want to close this with where we started, peace of my mind. Too many people, we're living in a very angry culture right now, very angry, lighten up. And, and some, believers, some believers, I really wonder if they're even spirit-controlled or have self-control the way they behave, you know, and sometimes I can get concerned about myself. But I want to tell you something. People are in such fear and worry and panic like you have never seen before in this country. Everybody, how many, how many want peace in your mind? Amen. I, I'm serious. I want to walk in absolute peace in my mind. But many people aren't experiencing peace in their mind. They're not experiencing it. In fact, we have the statistics to prove it. I don't know if you know this, but Gallup Poll does an annual report on the global emotional health of people around the world. And they survey, so this is not just something they grab making up. 150,000 people annually, they survey to see what the global emotional health is of people. And here's what is so insane about this out of 150,000 people. When it came to Americans and people in America, Americans have more stress, they are more stressed and more worried than they have ever been in the history of this country. Think about that. 
especially in the last 10 years, it has escalated like crazy in the United States among Americans, according to the report. Isn't that bizarre? Americans, people in the United States, they feel 55% are more stressed, they said, than they can ever remember. 55%, that's the majority of this culture, 55% of America are more stressed than they can ever remember in their life. Do you know what the global stress level is? Only 35%. Think of that. They said they are more worried, and when it comes to how much do you worry, 45% they are, said they are worried a lot in the United States. The global average is only 39%. Now think about that. Worried about money, worried about going to live, we're going to die, worried about world war, going to worry about, worried about China, worried about Russia, worried about my kids, worried about this, worried about my job, worried about my health, worry, 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 worry. And it's no wonder now why Americans consume 80 million aspirin per day. <laughs> Some of you said, I got mine this morning, amen. <laughs> Seriously. The American, the American Medical Association says stress is a factor in more than 75% of illnesses today that people have. Stress is the contributing factor. Stress. Think of that. According to the World Health Organization, they said stress is America's number one health issue is stress. So when we speak of peace of my mind, I'm going to tell you, it is not just the Holy Spirit leading us. It is statistically what is happening in this country. Think about it. America is more stressed than they have ever been in the history of the country, higher than averages of most nations. And you have a better car. You got a better job. You got better clothes. Your kids are in the school you want them. You moved out of the neighbor you hated so you can get in the neighborhood you like. You got them in the right place. You got them with the right people. We got more cars. We got more drugs. We got more prescriptions. We got more podcasts. And we're still stressed out. Something tells me that something is not fixing the real issue. So you say, well, what is peace, Pastor? What is, what is peace? What is peace? Well, let me just give you just what I would just call, here's peace. Ready? Peace is the assurance that God is in control of my life. That I can absolutely rest that God, how many believe that God is in control of your life? Here's the problem. He cannot have control of my life until I am truly given him control of my life. And there are some issues in our life that we are not giving him the control. And the more, the less you give him control, the more your stress increases in that particular area. So that's what really peace is. And peace really isn't what, uh, uh, what because everybody wants to have peace and they got any peace. So where are they going for peace? Well, if I can just get married and get with the right person, if I just have a boyfriend, I have a girlfriend, then I'll have better peace in my life. If I get a better job, then I'll have peace in my life. If my kids would just get an A, I'll better peace. And my husband would just act right. If my wife would just do, I mean, I just, if I just get more peace, if my pastor wouldn't just pick on me, I would have peace. And, but peace is not going to come from any person. It's not going to come from any possession. You can upgrade your car, upgrade your house, upgrade your clothing. It's still not going to fix it. You can get a better pill. It's still not going to fix it. I'm going to tell you because peace is not a what. It is a who. And it is when you allow the who to have complete control of the area that is wigging you out right now. So that's not just America. That's American Christians that are in that same category. But how many know the people of God ought to be marked by peace of God because we truly are giving him the controls of our life?
Amen. Ah, don't worry about clapping. It's all right. Don't worry about it. I, I'm used to having nobody there. I was telling Brenda a moment ago, you know, everybody, pastors always worry about Memorial Day weekend, how it's going to turn out because everybody goes to the lake property, everything. I told Brenda, I said, I got over that a long time ago. My first revival, when I started in ministry, I was 23 years old. My first meeting in a church, I had four people. Four. That's all that showed up. Four in this little bitty town in Colorado. Four. And I had to decide whether I was in this for good or not. Four people, I figured, hey, it can only go up from here, you know. Four people, it can only go up from here, you know. <laughs> but you know what Colossians says? I love what the Apostle Paul through the Holy Spirit said to the believers of Colossae. I want you to look at this. Look at the scripture. Get your app out and start taking notes. You're going to need this. You're really going to need this if you want peace of mind right now. Send me peace I'm not going to get in the college I'm supposed to get into. I have a peace that this world is not going to turn out right. Listen closely, that peace is directly related to something not in control of the Father. So he says to the people in Colossians 3.15, he says, and let the what? The peace that comes from who? <laughs> Christ is the one that produces the peace. He says, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in Peace. That's not just talking about being able to get along. That's one thing that we ought to really work on is get along in the body of Christ so we know peace. I get that. I get that. But he says you're supposed to live in life in peace. And he said to always be. I think there's a direct correlation to us thanking God and living in the kind of peace. But he says you've got to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And that word hearts can also be the inward part and even the mind. He's got to rule. You've got to give him control. And if you don't give him control, you're going to be stressed in that area. But the re, the, what I love about that word rule is that the, the word rule there in the Greek is brabuo. Uh, brabuo. That word, that word literally means to act as an umpire. He says you need to let the Holy Spirit and the Word of God work as the umpire in your thinking, your thoughts, and what you're going through. Let him be the ump in it. See, the problem is, is we don't like what the umpire calls. In fact, the umpire is the one that would actually keep order at that baseball game. How do I know? Because I've seen enough of you at your grandkids' little league team that you lose your salvation over a call. And if it wasn't for that ump, you'd be out there kicking dirt on him like this. If you don't speak cuss words, you'd probably make up your own cuss words. If it wasn't for that ump, that whole, that whole thing would be out of order. I remember when Nathan was playing Little League in Dallas, Texas, they had to call the police at a little kid's ump. It was the ump that took care of those parents. Can I tell you, if you will let him rule and reign and umpire what's happening in your mind, your dating, your money, your health, let him umpire that, I will promise you he will keep it in order. But the problem with us is some of us don't like the calls the ump is making. If the ump says, why don't you try giving 10% of your income away to the kingdom of God instead of buying a bigger pontoon boat than the one you got now? You don't like his call. What if he says to you in the date, here's what I want you to do. I want you to try to keep your hands off each other. Well, I don't like that call. 
What if he says, why don't you show up to church? You all like that call because you're here, amen? amen? But see, we don't like his calls. And when we don't like his calls, then we don't want to do what the um says. And that's the place where we hide the highest frustration and we are characterized by fear and disruption and anxiety and panic is directly related to the place where you don't like the um's call. That Christian hurt my feelings. He says, I want you to forgive them. I don't like that call. So you stay in fear and panic over that relationship and anxiety. How are we doing, everybody? So what I'm going to tell you, you have a heavenly umpire. How many believe we ought to let him make the calls even if we don't like the calls because he really keeps the order in the game? How many glad you came to church? Still happy? Amen. So how do I allow the peace of God to rule my mind and my life, Pastor? How? I think the scripture is really clear. So we have been overarching scripture, Philippians 4.8. Pastor Tim didn't realize, we didn't compare notes, but he used that same scripture because here's what it is. You cannot truly see the power of Philippians 4.8 if you don't deal with Philippians 4, 5, 6, and 7. So let's talk about 4, 5, 6, and 7 to maximize fix your thoughts on things that are true. Okay, let's, 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 let's hit that, okay? So you say, Pastor, how do I keep that peace of mind? I'm gonna give you a few things here. Ready? Number one, first of all, rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. Look what he says before he leads up to Philippians 4.8. He says this. The Apostle Paul through the Holy Spirit, watch this, look what he says. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Can everybody say in the Lord? Here's the big difference that people are looking for. Some of us are confusing, confusing pleasure for happiness. You think because you have pleasure, it gives you momentary joy. That's why sin is only pleasurable for a season, the Bible says. That means you can go ahead and do something that you know is contrary to the Word of God. You may get that momentary buzz or that momentary satisfaction of just going off and blowing off steam on somebody. Or you, it, it may be that you, you say, I, I, I'll, I'll never learn to control my physical appetites in sexuality before I get married. So you just, you just, you just let it rip to the wind. L let me just tell you something, what's happening here. You have a momentary pleasure, and the Bible doesn't deny that, and neither do I. But what you're confusing is, is your pleasure for true happiness. It does not make you happy. In fact, you get more anxious about the situation the more you turn away from God. Because you get true happiness from knowing relationship with Jesus Christ. He says you don't look for it in a person or that momentary pleasure. Why don't you look for true joy in the Lord? in the relationship. He says, I say it again. He says, rejoice in the Lord. And I say again, rejoice. I love this church for one of the primary reasons is y'all love to just get down and rejoice. <clears throat> y'all have fun rejoicing. Amen. Now you say, well, that's easy for the apostle Paul to say, oh no, it's not. I want you to look at who's writing this and where he's writing it from. When you look at this with the apostle Paul, this is not written from the prayer tower of your favorite television ministry. This is not written from a young lady sitting at her kitchen counter with nice quartz and a latte with her Bible open, hashtag so blessed. 
All right? This is not coming from somebody who's on the beaches right now of Hawaii. That is momentary pleasure for that moment. Let me tell you where this is being written from. It's being written from the Apostle Paul in Mamertine prison. He is in this deep, dark prison. In fact, I have been, Brenda and I have been in the very prison where they believe Paul was kept. That prison. It was down. You had to descend by steps. It is damp. It is nothing but hard stone. There's no sunlight. It's in a deep, dark cave. And he is telling the people, this prophet in prison, he's in a Roman dungeon, chained to guards in other places. He was chained to guards. And think about this. This guy's going to face Roman execution in that place, he's not lounging with suntan lotion on him. He's not drinking a lemonade with umbrellas in it. The guy is in a dungeon. He's doing things right. He's going to face execution. He's chained to a prisoner. And here's what he tells you and me. He says, when you're going through the junk of life, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice in him. That's where he's saying it from. Are you telling me just to act like everything's okay? No, no, I'm going to tell you because I know things aren't okay. Because Paul didn't have it okay. But Paul said, I'm going to tell you, in the middle of this, I know they're going to try to, a good team's going to chop my head off. I know they're going to persecute me. I know they're going to do everything to dishearten me. But I still have peace in this problem. He had an assurance that no matter where I am or what I'm going through, God is in control because I have already surrendered the controls to him. I know this is going to be for my good and my better outcome. That doesn't tell you, listen, he's not telling you that you got to rejoice in your losses because I cannot always rejoice in the things that I've lost. I'm going to slow that down because some of you say he's just wanting to be, be positive and I act like no problems. No, 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 no. You cannot always rejoice in your losses. I can't always rejoice in my losses, but I can always rejoice in the Lord. Because I will tell you, the things that I may have lost are not Jesus, and they are not the Lord. There's only one thing that will never leave me and never forsake me, and it is Jesus Christ himself. Can I tell you, you may not rejoice in your losses, but you can always rejoice in the Lord that those losses are not the end, but God has a purpose that's higher than you could ever imagine that his glory might be seen. Can somebody give God praise if you're going through losses? Rejoice in the Lord. <clears throat> He says, rejoice in the Lord when, everybody? What did he say in Colossians? He said, always rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So guess when, guess when the best season is to rejoice? You know when it is? Always. 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 I know you're in the atmosphere of praise and worship. I know you saw the haze and it's really great. And you see the bright lights and everything. It's, ah, yeah, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But you got dirty diapers tomorrow morning. Rejoice in the dirty diapers. Rejoice in your boss who doesn't appreciate what you do and doesn't even care less about whether or not you perform well or not. He's just trying to fill a quota. Rejoice on Wednesday when all of a sudden you walked into the doctor's office and the prognosis is not what you expected. Rejoice in the Lord always when you say, I cannot seem to make the payment and the company's thinking about cutting back. Rejoice on Saturday morning when all of a sudden you don't feel like being in the house of God and your husband's about ready to walk out on you. Can I tell you, rejoice in the Lord always. Don't just rejoice when summer is here and the parades are gone. Rejoice when it's dead winter in Michigan, okay? Rejoice on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Rejoice when you're on the mountaintop with God with victories and rejoice 
rejoice in the valleys with God. Rejoice when it's hot in this country and rejoice when it's cold. I'm going to tell you in the Lord, rejoice. There's only two times you got to praise God in the word. It's when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. But rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> always rejoice in the Lord. Now, why would he say rejoice? Rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. Because your praise can actually produce your, produce your peace. Look what Isaiah 55 12. I love this scripture. He says, this is, this, is, this is my mantra. You will go out with joy. You will go out with joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst forth into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. You know what that word that word joy, you shall go out with joy, it literally means a joyful sound. It means to shout. It means to dance. What I'm simply trying to say to you is when praise comes out, peace comes in. You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. Now, some of you, can I tell you, you are exiting things wrong. One of the big things that I teach our team is the way you exit one season of your life is the way you enter the next season of your life. The reason so many believers do not enter the next season of life with peace is because they didn't exit the last one with joy. And joy is not a feeling. Joy is a person. It is in the midst of this. I will rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will rejoice in him. Even in my losses, even in the pain, even in the betrayal, even in the rejection, I will rejoice in the Lord. He's working something for my good. Can I simply tell you, friends, rejoice in the Lord always. Mm. You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. What does it do? My joy of worshiping him brings forth peace. So everybody, what are we going to do first for peace of my mind? We're going to rejoice. Secondly, look what Philippians, Paul says in the book of Philippians. He says, relax. Oh, when 55% of this country is more stressed and worried than they've ever been, higher than the global average of only 35%, we got too many stressed out people, and it ought to not be believers who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. We ought to relax. Look what he says. Then he says, after you rejoice, he says, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Let me see you're considerate in all you do. Remember, <laughs> oh, this is a good one. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Do not worry about, say the word with me, everyone. Do not worry about do you know what it is in the Hebrew? Anything. You know what it is in the Greek? Anything. You know what it is in Spanish? Anything. You know what it is in Japanese? Anything. He said, stop worrying about anything. Remember the Lord is coming. And I think this is probably the biggest deal. I think so many have got our eyes fixed on this temporal world that we're wigging out about all these things because we are forgetting that this place is not our home. We are only passing through this place. It is very temporary. It is a blink of an eye in the light of eternity. How many of you thank God this place isn't ours? We got something better that's prepared for us. That's why Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe you also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. So get your mind off this place and know that something is being prepared. Better for all of us. That's for eternity. Remember that. 
Just get the word inside of you. He says, remember the Lord is coming and don't worry about anything. So when you rejoice in the Lord, guess what you do? You begin to focus on him and you relax. And when you focus on the Lord, you relax. When you focus on what he has prepared for you, when you focus on his word, when you focus on your relationship with him, you will experience greater peace in the midst of chaos and turmoil. The American church needs to be characterized as people that have peace and are considerate of others because Jesus is coming back. Mm -mm -mm. I like what Isaiah 26.3 says. You will, keep you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose what, everybody? Thoughts are what? Fixed. You remember we started the first series? I told you the thing about changing what's happened in your life is just turn and change the direction. Don't try to bind demons, just turn the direction. Start fixing your thoughts on what God says. Hang out with God's people. Turn up the praise and worship. Fix your thoughts, because here's what happens. When you focus on the word, I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen. Just focus on the word, your faith is gonna soar. If you focus on the world, your faith is gonna sink, and it's gonna sink in fear. You focus on God, your faith's gonna soar. You're gonna soar in faith. You focus on this world, you're gonna sink in fear. It will grab you. In fact, what he says, he tells us again, look at this, he says, don't do what? Don't worry about what? That word weary there in the Greek, let me tell you what that, that means. It literally means a distracting care. I mean, it's just something that just keeps pulling me away, distracting me. He said, don't focus on this thing that's trying to distract you. Keep your eyes focused on me, our relationship, my word, my spirit. Just simply follow me. Let me have the controls on this, even if you don't like the call of the umpire. Let me rule. Let me rule. But that's what happens. Worry just distracts you. It's a distracting care. I like what Corey Tin Boom said. She says, when I look at the world, I get distressed. When I look at myself, I get depressed. When I look at Jesus, <laughs> I'm at rest. I'm at rest. But you know what happens when I worry? What worry is saying is when I start worrying about something, worry is saying to God, God, Sam Reifkogel doesn't trust your wisdom in this situation. And that means if I don't trust your wisdom in this, then I don't trust your word in this, and I don't trust your ways in this. And when I start to worry, and I say I don't trust your wisdom, your word, or your ways, what it's saying is, let me handle this, God. I guess I'm going to have to take care of this myself, God, since you are not doing anything about it. That's what worry says. Worry is faith in the negative. It's a belief in defeat is what it is. And here's all worrying does. Worrying does nothing but waste today's time to clutter up the opportunities tomorrow with yesterday's problems. That's what worry does. All worry does, it takes tomorrow's clouds and pulls them over the sunshine you have today. That's what it does, it's a waste of time. And can I tell you that the beginning of anxiety is the end of your faith, but the beginning of your faith to trust God is the end of your anxiety. And too many times worry gives a small thing a really big shadow. But let me tell you something, you have a God that is greater than any crisis you have. And this is why Jesus Christ says this in his own words in John 14, 27 to you and me. He says, I am leaving you, look at this, I am leaving you, sir, Ma'am, I am leaving you with a gift, 
And here's the gift, peace of mind and heart. Why are you still stressing out over your daughter-in-law and you're afraid that she's pulling your son-in-law away from you? Why are you still wigging out that you feel like you're going to get fired? Why are you still wigging out that our marriage, you could wish it could be like somebody else's? Stop. Here's what he's saying to you. I've left you a gift. And if you'll take this gift, it is peace of mind in your heart because you have given me control over it. Just keep following me. And he says, look at this. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Mm. He says, number one, you got to rejoice. Number two, you need to relax. You need to relax in him. Look at your neighbor and say, just chillax. Tell him that, amen, just chillax. Amen. Now, we just don't leave it there. Look at Paul says. Paul says, if you want, to, you want this, these things to work, fixing your th thoughts on things that are true, he says, you need to rejoice in me always. He says, you need to relax in me, and then you need to bring your request to me. We're going to people instead of to God. <laughs> Look what he says. Don't worry about anything. He says, instead, pray about what? Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And here it is again. Here it is again. And thank him for all he's done. Now look, you can sit there and talk about your loss all day long. But that's exactly the problem that happens to God's people. It's the, with the first sin, God gives you the whole garden and you're miffed because you don't get one piece of fruit. That is the lie of Satan, that somehow God is not giving you what you ought to have. You've got everything. He says, listen, thank him for what he's already done. In fact, in what he's doing now, my goodness, you're sucking in air. You ought to rejoice. He says, request. So what, what does that mean? To communicate with him, to pray to him. So here's what happens. Release your stress through prayer. When you pray, dump it. Just dump it. That mean you got just, no, dump it. When you're in anxiety, you're, you're working with bitterness, you're dealing with rejection, dump it. Dump it to him. I like 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So what's, what's, what's messing you up right now? What's messing you up? Your 401k is not working for you, and now you're even in fear to give or to respond or to help and make your money do something for the kingdom or for somebody else? What is it? What, what, it's tripping you out. The doctor just told you something. He says, let me tell you what you do. I want you to cast that anxiety on me because I care for you. You know what the word cast there is in the Greek? The word cast there literally means to throw it, to expel it, and to drive it out. So that means <clears throat> this is not somewhere where you peacefully coexist with this anxiety. He says, I want you to kick it in the rear out of your life. How do I do that, Pastor? <laughs> it's what First John said, perfect love casts out all fear. That's the relationship with him. So what he's saying, he says, here's what you got to do. I want you to cast it. I want you to throw, I want you to expel it. I want you to drive this thing out of your life. Every Christian ought to pray about everything and leave nothing out. If you're angry and you hate him, tell him you hate him. You're angry, but don't go tell everybody else how much you hate him and you're angry at him. Oh, Jesus, help us. 
Whatever you're worrying about, instead of spending time worrying about it, why don't you give equal time to praying about it? Seriously. All I'm asking is, look, whatever stressing Sam Reifkogel out, whatever he's dealing with, then he ought to at least give equal time to bringing it to God and talking to him about it. And I'm going to tell you what's happened. Every time I've given the equal time to let God deal with it, I promise you this side begins to fade and my confidence in God begins to increase every single time. Are you with me, everybody? Pray about everything. Drive it out. Release that stress. Well, how do I release that stress and anxiety? Let's go to the scripture again. You ready? Let's go to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. How many know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Some of you probably got it memorized. But I want you to look at something. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Hey, how about this? Let's put this up there. Let's read it out loud because I just think the devil soils himself when we quote the word. You ready? Come on. Everybody out loud together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Now, I want you to underline this. Look at the four verbs in this. I want you to target the four verbs. First of all, he says trust. What does that mean? You need to trust him when you feel things are out of your control. You need to trust him. When you've done everything you can do and you feel like God's not working, you've got to trust him. Here's the bottom line. You do all you can do and God will do what you cannot do. If you want to see the supernatural operate, you do all that's natural. He'll do all that's super and together the supernatural will occur. But when he says trust, he means when you think things are out of control and you can't do anything, you've had enough conversations, you've gone to enough counselors, you've been to every bank, you've been to every doctor, he says, just trust me and believe that I have the control in this thing. And then he says, lean not. Lean not to what? Don't rely on your own knowledge. It's your part to do everything you can do, but you got to get to the place where you let God do what you cannot do. Quit trying to figure out. Then he says acknowledge. You know what's interesting about that word acknowledge there in the Hebrew? Guess what the word is there? Go look it up. It's the word yada. When you lift your hands, that's called yada worship. Do you know what it means? It is a sign of intimate worship, of intimate relationship with the Father. He says part of this stress is a lack of your intimate relationship with me because perfect love will cast out the fear and anxiety if you'll get closer to me in intimate relationship, intentional in relationship with me, I will promise you I will drive it out. The problem is there are too many of us are into spiritual one-night stands with God. And he's not going to do that. My wife expects me to talk to her every day. She expects for us to have deep conversation. She expects for us to sometimes not say nothing. I'm going to tell you, it is not a one-night stand. We just passed 33 years of total commitment to Jesus Christ and each other, no matter what. Even when the other one may not like the call the other one made. The umpire is the one that rules, and that's who we follow. Mm. Maybe the reason why the confidence and anxiety is there is maybe you're not listening to the umpire because you just haven't spent time with him. Yada. He says, and he will direct your path. What does that mean? When I trust him, 
When I lean to his wisdom and not to mine, I've done everything I can do. Now I've got to let it go. When I start building that relationship of intimate worship with God and know that that is the main primary relationship that I must work on and have fellowship with him, then I can find true rest and peace. So talk to God first. <laughs> talk to God first. Some of y'all are talking to your plant and your dog more than you're talking to him. It's kind of nice to talk to Moses sometimes. Moses. He loves me. I'm his favorite. Talk to your friends, counsel. But why is the counselor getting more time than God and you're dropping 125 bucks an hour? I say, get the help. But why are we not spending equal time with the one that has the power to truly bring you peace and joy? Talk to your friends and go to your small group. But why are the people in the small group getting more conversation and deep relationship than he is? He says, when you do this, he says, when you really do this, he said, that refreshing you're looking for in the middle of the chaos, you'll get it. Remember the guy who writes this stuff and places he's had to write from and the problems he was in. Because once you come to a place of rejoicing in him and relaxing in him and requesting from him, and he's really ruling your heart, he's really, you're really allowing him to be the umpire when you sit your marriage down and say, okay, your rights, my rights, what does he say is right? When we really have all this bitterness and pain towards somebody, okay, this is real pain, it's real bitterness, it's real hurt, okay, what does the umpire say how I should handle this? When we're coming to our sex life, the one that he created, the umpire really knows how to call the shots good on this stuff because he made it. Am I going to follow the umpire on this? When you really do that, he says, then you can bring your request to me. He said, and when you bring your request to me, he says, guess what happens? You can get refreshed in the middle of all the chaos and the trauma of 55% of the nation, more worried and more stressed, more anxious than they ever can remember, especially in the last 10 years. Think of that. Think of that. He says, then you can refresh. And then look what he says, verse seven. Watch this, then. Everybody say then. <laughs> He says, when all this stuff, when you start rejoicing in me and you start relaxing in me and you start listening to the umpire and you request, he says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. You say, well, that just sounds so simple. That just sounds like a spiritual crutch. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is my spiritual crutch. I can't explain it, I don't understand it, but in that intimate relationship with him, I'm telling you it is a peace that transcends my own human thinking. I don't know how it happens, I just know when I run to him, it happens. His peace, Sam, will guard your heart and your mind 
as you live in Christ. Oh my. How many want a guard? Oh, I tell you, I'd love to have a guard. I like bodyguards. What I'm needing now is a, a stunt double. I'm looking for a lead pastor stunt double. When anybody wants to chew me out, I let my stunt double step in. Stunt double, I'm thinking about getting Joseph Prince or Francis Chan, you know, that's close as I can get to look like me. shave my head. <laughs> I need a senior pastor stunt double is what I need. But look what he says. Just put your name. Then Brenda. All right, there. And then this is Brenda. Then Michael. Look at this. Put your name in there. You will experience God peace which exceeds anything that you can ever understand. His peace will guard Nikki's heart and her mind because she's living in Christ. He says, I'll guard it. You know what that word guard there? It means a garrison of soldiers protecting a fortress. That's what it means. A garrison. Soldier upon soldier with weapons drawn, guarding your heart, guarding your mind while the war is going on around you. Can I tell you what weapon you have? You have the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed because he loved you. You have his word that continues to strengthen you to walk in faith. You have the Holy Spirit that empowers you. And on top of that, you got his angels that are at charge all around you. They are, they are swarming you. They are around you. Can I tell you, friends, you have a garrison of God's protection around you. And his peace can help you in the middle of trouble. Doesn't keep you out of a troubled life. But I'll tell you, it'll give you peace in a troubled life. Because how many know trouble happens because life happens? But Jesus said these words, and I'm closing with this. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But here you go, everybody. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Peace isn't the absence of fear, but the presence of Jesus who defeated your fear at the cross. How many thank God, everybody, we have peace of mind. Peace of our mind. Amen.